Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope that you enjoy the message. I want to start by sharing a couple of weeks ago we had Andy Kabbalah, Pastor Andrew Kabbalah with us and um, it was here on the Sunday, Sunday night, maybe the Tuesday night, might have been the Tuesday night, that um, he asked to pray for me. And, you know, he started by saying, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. Oh, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the Lord the day. You know, this is the day. Am I saying that wrong? This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And he said it a few times and then prayed a few other things. And then he went on to pray for some other people. And you're going to think I'm being cheeky by saying this, but he kind of said the same thing to them. And I was like, he said that to me. He can't say that to them. Like, that was mine. And I was a bit like, Pfft. Well, whatever. But you know what's funny? As he kept saying it, as he said it to other people and, and kept saying it, it finally like kind of stuck. It kind of sunk in, you know. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, this is the day. And I kind of, as I continued to hear it, as I continued to think about it and think on it, it kind of made sense. It actually kind of resonated within me that... You know, this is the day that today, each day that we wake up is a new opportunity. It's a new gift. It's a new chance to, I guess, uh, for anything to happen, for any possibility, you know, and that, that God has given us that day. Then each new day that we wake up is a gift for us that, you know, we've got endless possibilities that we can do with that day and, and we can't, we shouldn't take it for granted. And I, and I felt like perhaps in that, period of time that I had been taking them for granted because literally I'd wake up and think okay it's, it's this many hours till 7 p.m when James goes to bed <laughs> and that's how I would think about my day okay it's, okay so it's 10 hours now it's eight hours now it's six hours okay we're nearly there we're nearly there and then at seven o'clock comes James goes to bed I'm like oh, okay I survived my day and that was kind of how I would think you know each day was just about surviving the day just getting through the day and you know, I, as I stopped and actually read over those verses again, I, I was reminded that, you know, I, it, it's not about surviving the day. It's not about just getting through the day and getting to your next, to your next bedtime. There's actually, there's, there's possibilities and opportunities in that day that we actually should take a hold of and need to take a hold of. God's given them to us. There's people that we are to talk to. There's, there's moments we're supposed to spend with him. There's time that we, you know, are given to, to be purposeful in those minutes and in those hours each and every day. Um, you know, those word, that word for rejoice means to spin around under the influence of a violent emotion. Like, that's crazy rejoice. Like, that's super happy, you know, all the time. Um, and actually to be glad in it means to brighten up or to cheer up. And I liked that, the idea that in this day, I'm going bri- to brighten up the day. I'm going to cheer up the day. I'm going to, in my workplace, in my school, in my conversations, in my trip to the grocery store, I'm going to brighten up the day. I'm going to cheer up the day just because God's in me and I can share that with the people in my world. You know, sometimes I know that that's not that's not an easy thing to do. That can be a tricky thing to do, particularly when we're focus, you know, focusing on challenges or there are things that are coming against us that we perhaps are struggling with. And that leads me to my um, to my message tonight. I just want us to start with Mark chapter one. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, if you have them, or you can grab your phones out and find your uh, Holy Bible app. <laughs> Starting from Mark chapter one. 
And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who, were also, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. And you know, look, that's an interesting passage, I think, of how Jesus begins to gather his disciples and starts finding these people fishing and fixing things, nets, and just in their day-to-day, he, he goes up to them and he says, come, follow me, come be my disciple, come walk with me. The title of my message tonight is, It's Easier Than You Think. You know, getting through your day and surviving your day, but actually being purposeful in your day is easier than you think. That word for come, then when Jesus says, come, follow me, means come, follow, come hither. And that's a funny old-fashioned word, isn't it? Come hither, come hither. That's a bit strange when you say it too many times. But I, I, I started looking into and learning about what it means to be a disciple or what it means to be a follower of a rabbi in those times in, in the Jewish history. And you might know this already, but... Basically, a Jewish boy, I guess sometimes girls, but primarily boys, from about five to ten, um, their, their schooling, their education, which was highly valued at the time, was to learn the Torah. So that was the first five books of the Old Testament. And basically, to learn it, they memorized it, which I just think, I can't remember like five scriptures. My, my memory of scripture off the top of my head is atrocious, because what I tend to do is I mix up translations. So I just end up with the Donna translation of the Bible, because I just have bits and pieces of words that sort of make sense, and I kind of get the gist, but it isn't actually, you know, it isn't actually a verse. <laughs> I've just paraphrased. But they've memor- they basically would learn and memorize the first five books of the Bible. Can you imagine? I mean, uh, how, I haven't read Leviticus lately, but can you imagine trying to memorize Leviticus? Oh. Anyway, so they would then go on to learn uh, a, a more. So from about 10 to 14, they would start to learn the Psalms and the prophets um, and the rest of the Old Testament. They would actually learn and study and potentially memorize all of that as well. Now at 14... Basically, the best of that bunch, or the best of the best at that point, would go on to, they basically just did further study. They would, it, would, it was more, it was quite academic. There was, there was a way they used to communicate with other educators um, that asked questions of each other. It was quite a unique way, I think, of conversing and that sort of thing. But basically, they would continue to study. Um, and the rabbis at that time, because education was valued, rabbis were highly educated uh, you know, and very well respected. And so many Jewish boys wanted to become teachers as well. So the best of the best, what they would do is they would approach a rabbi and they would say, you know, can I become your disciple? They'd request of the rabbi, can I become your disciple? And basically then the rabbi, just to decide whether he would say yes or no, would quiz the, you know, he'd test and, and, qui- and quiz this young boy, this 14-year-old boy, and basically to work out if he was good enough. So that he, he you know, he'd, he'd challenge him to, you know, recite verses and to ask what it meant and to, you know, to quite an in-depth conversation about his understanding of scripture. And basically, if he was good enough, good enough, um, the rabbi would say, come, be my disciple. The boy would literally leave everything. He'd leave his family, he'd leave his mum and his dad, his siblings, he'd leave the family trade. Um, if he, it, he probably hadn't started it yet, but he would leave the, all of those things and he would literally pick up his world and follow the rabbi. And what he would do would become, spend his entire life devoted to becoming like that rabbi. How he spoke, what he thought, how he, what he 
what he drank. I've read some very funny stories about toileting experiences. Um, you know, they just were, they were just involved in their entire life. They just wanted to know exactly. I won't elaborate. Don't worry. Um, about it's a bras and undies. I think it's on my mind. Yeah, basically they would become as much as they could like their rabbi. But if they weren't good enough, if they approached a rabbi and said, you know, can I can I become your rabbi? And basically the rabbi quizzed and sort of said, actually, you know, yeah, you, you memorise the Torah, but kind of you don't have a very good understanding of it. So no, you can't be my disciple. Basically, you're not good enough. You're not, you don't have what it takes to become like me. So basically the rabbi would say, go and learn your family trade. Go back to your family. You, 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 your education kind of stops now. Go back to your family. Go and learn what, you know, what your dad does. Um, and basically that will be your future. So, and, and in fact, I think they kind of used to say, like, basically go and have a family and hopefully your children will be good enough to become a rabbi because you're not, was kind of the gist. Um, so it was quite competitive and it was a unique, I guess, relationship, this whole rabbi, disciple, you know, teacher, follower type scenario. But what I think is amazing in this story, if you go back and have a look at Simon and Andrew and James and John, they were fishing and they were in their boat, in their dad's, or the, the, um, John and James were in their dad's boat fish, uh, fixing nets. So they weren't following another rabbi. They had been told by another rabbi, you don't have what it takes. You haven't made the cut. You're not good enough. You go back to your family trade and learn to be a fisherman or learn to be, you know, learn to fix nets or whatever it might be. You don't make the cut. Isn't that astounding? And what does Jesus do? He walks up to them. They don't approach him. Jesus walks up to them and says, come, be my disciple. Come, follow me. Isn't that amazing that they weren't the best of the best? They weren't good enough. They didn't make the cut. And yet they were the men that Jesus chose to literally change the world. He left the future of his kingdom in their hands and they weren't good enough in other people's eyes isn't that astounding and so my first thought tonight really is just this is that Jesus is calling you to come you know you might not feel like you measure up in so many areas could be just one area it could be so many areas but Jesus is saying to you tonight come follow me come follow me I'll show you how to do what I do I'll show you how to be like me I'll show you how it is to walk how I walk isn't that amazing that when so many circumstances in our world might tell us you don't have what it takes you're not good enough you don't make the cut no sorry you go back and do something else because you you don't have what it takes Jesus says you have what it takes I'm calling you to come and so that's my first thought tonight that you would just recognize that Jesus is inviting you you don't have to go seeking well he asked you to seek him but you know you don't have to go begging him begging him can I be your disciple can I you know he says come you know if you want to come and what I love is that those boys they were boys dropped everything literally walked walked away because it was such it was such an honorable thing for them to have been asked by Jesus to come and follow him now this next passage I want to share with you is we actually did look at in our first sisterhood night this year but I I, in looking at it again, realized there's a very key thing that I missed that I wanted to share with you tonight. And so if you want to jump over to Matthew chapter 14, starting from verse 28, and it is a passage, a story that I love, and it's about Peter, another disciple of Jesus. And basically it's when Jesus has been walking on the water and Peter's in the boat with the other disciples and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it is you walking on the water, command me to come to you on the water. So he, so he said, Jesus said, come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And, begin, and beginning to sink, he cried out, 
saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, do you know what I think is a very easy um, assumption to jump to here? Is that when Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I immediately assume that he said, Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt? I've said, come. You, you walk on the water. You know, Jesus says, yep, no worries. Come on. Um, Peter gets out of the boat, but then he starts to sink. But Jesus says to him, why did you doubt? And I think when you think about that in light of this, when Jesus invites us into, uh, into that relationship where he's our teacher, where we can follow him and learn from him, I believe he's saying, why did you doubt yourself? Because he saw, Peter saw Jesus walking on water. He, Jesus could walk on water. Peter saw that he could walk on water. He didn't doubt that Jesus could walk on water. He doubted that he could walk on water. And in the context of being a follower of Jesus, a a disciple of a rabbi, he wanted to do what his rabbi did. He wanted to be like his rabbi. And if, if Jesus was walking on water, Peter wanted to walk on water. But where he failed was that not that he didn't trust Jesus, it was that he didn't trust his own ability to be like his rabbi to be like his teacher isn't that amazing so my second thought really is a simple one Jesus has faith in you you know he actually does he he sees in you what you can't even see in yourself you know I don't expect us all to go out walking on literally physically on water tomorrow but you know in whatever area of your life that might be can I encourage you to just revisit that thought that don't doubt what Jesus has asked you to do or what he's invited you to do. When he, says, when he said to Peter, come, walk on the water, come to me, he, Peter, he did. He got out of the boat and he did it. But he started to sink because he looked at the circumstances around him and he started to question his own ability to do what Jesus had asked him to do in himself. He actually doubted himself. So I want to encourage, encourage you tonight that Jesus actually has faith in you. You know, he, what, what he, he trusts and he knows that you have what is in you because he's given you the Holy Spirit. You've got what's in you to become like Jesus. You know, that, that, I know that sounds impossible. You know, I know that sounds impossible, but that's what Jesus promises us, that bit by bit and day by day, as we continue to lay ourselves down and to trust him more and to know him more and to lean into him more, that we can become more and more like him and that we don't have to doubt our ability to do that. He's, he's given us, each and every one of us, he's given us the Holy Spirit to help in that process that we can trust him and we can become like him. My last thought is this one. If we want to just jump over to, oh, jump back, sorry, to Matthew 11 in verse 28. Now what I think is amazing here. Starting at verse 28 is the word, it says, come to me. And that same word for come is the same word we saw at the very beginning of those Jewish boys being invited to to become Jesus' disciples. So when Jesus says, come, you know, follow me, and when he says, come to me, all who you labor and are heavy laden, it's the same invitation. That word for heavy laden means loaded up, overburdened. It says, to all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I've always loved that verse. I've always loved that passage. I think, you know, so, so easily we can be just weighed down with the things of this world, of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, and the stuff that we just end up having to go through. And, we, and I just love that promise. But here's what I think is amazing, is that in that time, the Jewish... Leader, the, the rabbis, the Jewish teachers, 
they had a way of interpreting scripture, which sounds dodgy to us. We think, oh, do they just like make it suit them? But it was more about, they, it was just how they interpreted um, what God's rules and regulations were. So they just put, they just kind of put their own interpretation or limitations on what it might mean. So just for an example, you know, when it says, you know, don't work on the Sabbath, they might say what, what that looks like. So does that mean you can walk to the synagogue and walk home? Or does it mean you can walk, you know, so they just kind of put their own interpretation on that. And here's what's amazing. The word that they used for the rabbi's rules and regulations and his interpretation of scripture was yoke. So the rabbi's yoke was how he understood scripture and how he taught scripture to his disciples. And so when we read, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think that's, that, that is completely liberating to me, the fact that, that the, the yoke that Jesus offers, the way that he... Um, can show us his word, can show us his promises, can show us what it means to live a Christian life, is not overbearing and hard and full of rules and regulations. It's liberating and it's free and it's it's light. You know, I can't. That light is a good word to use. It's light and easy and enjoyable. And there's this abundant grace in it that is not hard and heavy and you know made to make you feel like you're just not good enough and you're just this and you're just that. But there's this freedom and this liberty that comes from knowing how what Jesus has for us as as our teacher. You know, I love that same verse in the message, which you might know, but again, it just is profound in this. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Now, isn't that amazing? I kind of, I kind of wonder if Eugene Patterson, who wrote the message, understood this whole yoke thing. You know, that watch how I do it. Watch how I do life, and I'll show you that it's not, it doesn't have to be overpowering and overbearing and hard. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. My third thought tonight is just this, that Jesus offers you unforced rhythms of grace. That you can just, there's a, there's a way of doing life with him that is not heavy and hard. It's unforced, it's easy, it's full of grace and mercy and it's just... There's an enjoyment, there can be an enjoyment in our relationship with God that day by day, week week by week, that it doesn't have to be just about getting through the day and just surviving, but there's this liberation that comes from having a relationship with God that understands who who he is and how he wants us to live, which is just like he lived. You know, I want to show you here an image on the screen just quickly, which I love because I just think it helps us to understand a little bit about what it means, I believe, to be a woman who who knows how to live freely and lightly because she knows her saviour. She knows what it means to have a relationship with God. And this comes from a, a magazine called Propel that Christine Kane has published. And I mean, glance over that as you would like, but I just love those words because do you know what? They don't define her. They kind of undefine her, you know? You have a look at those words. She's unstuck. She moves gracefully from one season to the next. She's unmovable. She will not be manipulated. She's uncommon. She's not chasing worldly success, fame, or fortune. She's undone by the love, grace, goodness, kindness, and mercy of God. She's undefeatable. She knows no weapon formed against her shall prosper. She's unstoppable. She follows the call of God. She's unbound. Her history will not define her. She's unpretentious. She's real, down-to-earth, and accessible. 
She's unashamed. She's not minimized or hide who God has made her to be. You know, you can look at those. There might be some other ones that stand out to you. But I just thought, I just liked that because I feel like those words are there. They lift. I believe that they, 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 you know, they don't bear down or add weight or kind of give you rules and regulations of what you should be. But they kind of are just like, here, you know, you're on this. <laughs> you're on that. Um, you know, that we can... Where is that one? I love that. Unlimited, who potentially in Christ is limitless. You know, I just love those words. And so just, you know, glance over those as you, as you would like. Or just ask Jess to come back up if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. And I know it's nine o'clock, but I'd love to give us just a couple of minutes. Um, actually, I'll invite the whole worship team up if you are happy to do so. Um, because I just want to give us just a couple of moments to just... So just spend some time with the Lord and you know I hope that tonight's message has encouraged you and just given you a bit of a, a lift in the sense of just lifted a burden you know lifted a bit of heaviness that you might be carrying that that this Christian life is not supposed to be hard and heavy but it's supposed to be easy and light it doesn't mean you won't go through difficult times it doesn't mean that life is easy but what it means is that we can walk through difficulties we can walk through struggles we can walk through times that are tough with a grace with a with an ease that that you know God equips us to do that in relationship with Jesus we can get through it you know and not just survive it not just not just get through it but actually somehow flourish in it there's grace in it for that you know I want to leave one verse with you before um, we just have a bit of a, a short time of ministry tonight and if you really have to go by all means go but I just want to read this one to you that um I just love this, love this verse, and I shared it in a, um, in a church bulletin a few months ago, but it's just one of those ones that I think is just a promise for us, which is lovely. It says in Song of Songs, in chapter 2, it says, Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come, and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. Sounds like spring. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. I think what a beautiful invitation for us. Why don't you stand? What a beautiful invitation for us that, you know, that Jesus is saying to us, whatever, wherever we're at tonight, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. You know, what's behind you is behind you. The winter is past. Let's look at the season ahead. Let's look at what, what God is bringing into fruition. Well, let's look at what God is making available to us. And can I just encourage you tonight that just in these few moments that we have of worship, if you just feel to come down the front, if you have a need that you would like us to pray with you for, you know, in particular, I felt for a couple of days and uh, you know, this this goes beyond the people that I know that are, that sometimes struggle with this. But just for anyone here tonight, that if you're struggling with just carrying that those that that underlying level of anxiety, I just that's the word I just had for a couple of days. Was just if you're struggling, if you're just carrying this anxiousness, this this nervousness, this just I can't use that, that inability to just rest and be calm and be at peace. Can I just encourage you? I'd love to pray with you tonight. I'd love you to come to the front. We won't do anything strange. It won't be awkward. Um, but I just want to pray with you because I just really feel like that's people People struggle with that more often than they should. And, and I just believe that tonight in particular, just that God's going to lift that, that that if you just surrender yourself to God tonight, that you just surrender yourself to Jesus and allow him that invitation. When he says, come, that you just come, you know, and that you just find yourself in his presence tonight, that you can just be, yeah, have, have an encounter with him that lifts that burden for you. And so if that's not you, but you have another need and you'd love to be prayed for, even if you want to come to the front and worship, that's fine too. But I'd love to sing, I breathe you in. And, you know, those words... 
you might think they're a bit strange, that whole, you know, because you're thick all around me, which I know can be a bit funny to sing. But can I encourage you that those words, just, it just reminds us that God is in our midst, that, you know, we're not, we're not just singing to God up in heaven and he's up there listening and thinking it's awesome, but he's actually in our midst. You know, when we worship that his presence is here, that his spirit is here.